You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 120 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. Today, first, before we get started with anything else, I want to recognize this monumental moment that we are now at episode 120, which you may or may not know. Jamie thought we were already at episode 120, maybe like 10 or 15 (laughs) episodes ago. It's a true story. (laughs) So now that we're actually really at episode 120, we need to make a big deal about it. So, Don, please add some music, (laughs) whatever you would like, clapping, cheering, the Rocky running up the steps. I mean, something big. (laughs) I'm not sure we have the budget to license that music, Don. (laughs) Please find some stock music that sounds exciting. (laughs) That is properly licensed. I really did think it was 100 and episode 120 solidly eight to 10 weeks ago. I just love this podcast so much that I feel like it was farther along than it actually was. <laughs> but now that we're here, it's not anticlimactic at all. It's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Episode 120 is great. And it's a new month and a new theme. New theme too. Yes. And this is a theme. It's a theme that's close to your heart. Near and dear. Yes. We're talking about products, everyone. Yes. You needed to introduce dun, dun, dun. Yeah. We're talking about products, which is great. Because, well, one, I have a product business, but two, no, really, we've seen a lot of people are launching and we've been inspired by products, both physical products and digital products that business owners have. One day soon, maybe one from you too, Jamie. Maybe a digital product. Physical, not so sure of, but never say never. We're actually going to, we're actually going to break it up. We're going to talk about physical products this month. And in the coming months, we are definitely going to have a digital product type of month. But for now, we're really focused on physical products. And so this month, we're going to be talking to a Shopify expert, which I feel like Shopify is both amazing and baffles many people. Yeah, it's great. I think it's great. I actually didn't have a Shopify site to start and switch to Shopify. And I think it's great. That was a big deal for you. Yeah, it was a big deal. Quite a process. My friend Lisa Lehman, who does all the beautiful jewelry, she has a Shopify site. And I remember the process she went through when she switched to Shopify. And I know she loves it. It's like a really robust back end that you can use. But I also know that it's challenging to get there. 
Yeah, it depends like how I, I think especially if you already have another site and then you are switching to that. I mean, I guess that's like anything, right? But it's still like you don't have as many customizations you can make unless you really, I don't know, go all out. But I think I think it's great, especially for e-commerce, for products, physical products. There's really nothing easier to use out there, I don't think. We're also going to talk about books book launches, just key. That is a very natural physical product that many people go who are service professionals from service professional to a physical book. And it doesn't just necessarily have to be a book that you've written, but it could be planners or any kind of products like that. Uh, Many coaches, I find, go that direction. So talking about books, both self-publishing and going the traditional route. So we have a really awesome guest for that. We have a fearless founder that has a physical physical product. And we are also going to be talking to some amazing product coaches who teach people how to launch products who have a ton of experience between the two of them. So we have some really, really good guests for this month and a lot of really awesome information. So if you have been thinking about launching a product or even if you do have an existing product business, I think there's going to be a lot of great information for you. But I want to talk to you about your business, Mary, because I feel like we need to start with introducing your product business. Most of our podcast talk is about your service business, Transitions Collective, but your product business was the first business you ever launched, right? That's true. Yeah. Brief transitions, postpartum mesh underwear for the win. Yeah. <laughs> it's an awesome, <laughs> brilliant product. So tell, I would love for you to tell, i I feel like our audience needs to know a little more about it. Tell the story of how you launch Brief Transitions. Okay. I wasn't, I've, I've told that story many times, although I wasn't prepared to say it here, but I will. I'll tell, I'll tell everyone the TMI or not. Well, I launched Brief Transitions after I had my first daughter. So for those of you that don't know the story already, if you had children, you are probably familiar with the magical mesh underwear. But if you haven't, what when I was pregnant, one of my friends told me, you're going to get these underwear at the hospital. You need to take extra home with you. Actually, she said steal. I don't always say, you know, I stole the underwear, but I probably shouldn't say that on air with a lawyer here. But, you know, I had extra mesh underwear at home. I stole the underwear too, Mary. <laughs> okay. Fine. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Phew. Um, so, yeah. So, I ended up taking more and it depends on the hospital. Really, some just give you give you like a ton of them and others don't. Anyway, I had more underwear at home. They're super stretchy. They go like they just give so much. There's no elastic waistband, so they don't put pressure on your body. It's like swollen and all a mess from having a baby. Well, I ran out and my mom, my mom is part of my story, too. She went to the store to get me more underwear. This was pre Amazon. Not Amazon is what it is now. And she ended up coming back with oversized granny panties and I had to cut the elastic waistband of the underwear. Yes, it's very, it's like a personal story, but it's true. But this is all where I got the idea from. So there were no postpartum mesh underwear on the market. And after that, I kind of just got mad and I said, you know, why aren't these available? Pregnancy and postpartum recovery and having a baby are a big deal in a woman's life and we deserve to have the products we need. So that kind of set me out on my journey of finding manufacturers and bringing them to market. Yeah, because they were really the first, there's other brands on there now, but they were really the first mesh underwear to market of that style like that people could purchase yeah right I I remember searching to buy it after my second son because with my first son there was uh, my the hospital gave me a ton of it so I was in good shape with my second 
I got one pair and I had a fight with the nurse, which all of you can reenact in your minds and imagine the fight that I had. I stole some. They took it back. It was a thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It was lovely. Yeah. Thank terrible. you, New Jersey hospitals. But um, I tried to buy it. You couldn't buy it. And then when I met you, I remember being like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. One, I think many product businesses are born out of this thing needs to exist. Nobody's making it. I'm going to figure it out. Often out of like a huge frustration and a need. Two, it's a really daunting process, right? Like you just talked about manufacturers. You talked about creating, you know, prototypes, things like that. Like those are that's a big deal and really foreign often I feel like is really inaccessible to people. Yeah, I, it's true. Well, I used to work my corporate job, which seems like ages ago, but it's like a little over two years ago. I worked in pharmaceutical manufacturing for almost 15 years. So I was used to, okay, it's not the same as making underwear, but it's still making something. And I would work with all our manufacturing sites on processes, on improvements, on all kinds of stuff. So I was really in the zone of like, packaging, you know, producing and packaging and what that all looks like. I was in my mind, I was kind of like, well, I want to bring these to market. How hard could it be? You know, because I I mean, maybe what I from what I've seen in pharma, I should have known. But part of me was just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's fine. It, it's not maybe not piece of cake. But yeah, I really thought how hard can it be? So famous last words. Um, but you did it. But yeah, but I did it. Yeah, exactly. So there's just a lot of different things you have to consider, of course, when it's your own business. But um, but yeah, mine started most definitely from a need. And I think a lot of a lot of products too. a lot of products do start from that. So that leads me to my next question, because you are an amazing researcher. So when you set out to do something, well, I think in your head, you're probably like, yeah, I could figure this out. I know you did the research. I know you looked. So what resources did you use for maybe that new person who's looking to create a product? Where did you start? Besides, obviously, you had the advantage of your background, but I'm sure there were lots of things you didn't know. Yeah. I, so I started, I first, because I didn't have my own business. So I started researching like what it's like to sell a product online. Um, I found a couple really good blogs. One's called mywifequithherjob.com. It's a really funny title, but um, that's literally the name of it. Steve, the guy's name is Steve that runs it. Um, but when I was like a beginner, he had a lot of great materials on there about what it's like to find a manufacturer, what it's like to import specifically for product businesses, because there's not there's a lot out there, I think, for service stuff. And I found myself having to dig a little deeper to try to find things helpful on the product side. So I used that, for example. And then I did a lot of looking. I mean, looking for manufacturers is is really, it's not so clear. So I did a lot of like contacting one person. They said, I can't help you. I said, okay, do you know anyone else? And some of them, I mean, some of them said no, you know, they didn't want to bother, but some actually really like took a chance on me, if you will. And they they offered some of their contacts. They said, we can't do this, but here's another contact. You could try them or they might know somebody. Um, so it was a lot of like cold calling and trying to find people. Were you like Googling manufacturers or was there a place that you yeah. would? Oh, wow. I didn't think I no, knew I was that. trying to Google them. Yeah, I was trying to Google them or like there are some manufacturing databases, but honestly, they are not. I know there's some startups now that are trying to like bring all of that together more, especially for U.S. manufacturers. But yeah, I was just trying to Google, especially for certain types of technology, like for what I need for the underwear, because they're seamless since they don't have the elastic they're they're not most underwear is 
you know, manufactured conventionally with it's called cut and sew is the type of type of manufacturing and the seamless underwear do not use that technology. I mean, yeah, that technology. So I had to find manufacturers that had the ability to make what I was looking for. Yeah. So there's a business idea for anybody who's listening about a need in the marketplace is clearly connecting manufacturers with potential startups yeah. or individuals yeah. and businesses who create products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Do that, please. Yeah. That would help a lot of people. Somebody. You can make some yeah. dollars. Yeah. I love it. So, okay. That's really interesting. I don't think I knew that there was that much sort of trial and error. So much different with a product than it is launching a service because your overhead's a lot higher as well. Yeah. There's a bigger investment. Like you can't just sell, you know, your service up front. Like, hey, do you want to, you know, I'll help you with this. Will you pay me an hour? I had to do a lot. I mean, ordering the product and finding someone with minimum order quantities that weren't too high. Also, I ended up, they're manufactured overseas. So I ended up having to do like shipping and customs and importing and all that stuff, um, plus packaging. So there's manufacturing, but then you also have to pay for your materials to package. So there's like a few different, you know, things, of course, plus marketing and all of that stuff. So what's changed over the course of your business? Because now you've been running it for a couple of years. Yeah, um, good question. I've, I've automated more, I would say. That's probably one thing put more processes in place. I upgraded a lot. So when I first started, it was literally like I bought bags wholesale. So I I ordered the bulk shipment of the underwear, but then I bought bag wholesale and I bought labels from Staples and I just and I printed labels at UPS and I just like they were like pretty handmade, you know? Um so within the last couple of years, well I upgraded my website to Shopify. So I do my own fulfillment now too. Yeah. And I upgraded my packaging to be pre-printed bags with a lot more branding on them and and just better quality. So no labels, just the pre-printed bag. And it, I have to say, it looks a lot nicer. And your bags look amazing. Thank you. I watched that whole I'm process. I'm pretty proud of them. They are awesome. Yeah. And I trademarked life is meshy, but you don't have to be courtesy of hashtag legal. Thank you very much. That was a good win. That was recent. Yeah. That was super recent. Yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's some of the things that I guess have evolved over time. That's amazing. Yeah, you have such good insight about products that I feel like we don't talk enough about your experience in launching those products and all of those things you're like in customs and importing. And I'm like, that's kind of a big deal. That's true. Yeah. Like when you, you know, in the moment, it's different. But when you reflect it, yeah, it's like, oh, wow, I did all those things. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because I feel like scaling for a product business, because um, we, when I talked to Jess and Lauren from Shop ISO Style, they just recently started to scale and they did so through automation as well. So even though they don't have their own business, there's, I'm sorry, their own product, theirs is a resale business. In order to move product, the way to do it effectively in larger quantities is essentially going to be uh, automation. And that's processes. And so if you're not good at that, like you happen to be very good at that, that's really where your hire has to come when you need to start to scale. I think in the beginning for products, marketing is a really important place to go, um, provided that you're the person who's sort of doing all of the product development and creation and things like that. Marketing is really important, obviously, because you need to get eyeballs on your product, but then operations in order to scale is critical. 
That's a great point because I, I forgot the other thing that I did, which was huge. It's probably one of my biggest things really was I moved to a fulfillment center. So at first I was rolling and packing underwear myself. My family was helping me. Uh, my aunt and uncle helps me a lot. I stored I stored stuff in their garage. Whenever my in-laws came to visit, I would have them help me like rolling underwear. It was like really a family affair. Anyone that has a product business, I bet they started this way somehow. But eventually I moved to a fulfillment center and it seems weird and a little scary to like make that shift, but it's also very necessary if you want to be able to fulfill more orders and and really yeah, just grow if you really want to grow at all. That's what Jess said. They just moved to fulfillment and it was because it was literally taking over her house. Yeah. Doing it Mm -hmm. all herself and not even just the space, but the time. No, the time. Yeah. And when orders come in and then having to ship them out. Yeah. Everything. Mm -hmm. How did you go through the process of finding a fulfillment center? I researched a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, I actually, again, I didn't, I didn't know anyone already using a specific fulfillment center. I mean, maybe I could have thought about it more, but I looked, I Googled, I like made a spreadsheet of like, she's at least 20 or 30 fulfillment centers, some in New Jersey, because I figured I wanted to just see just in case, because proximity would be really nice to have, but some around the country and in lower cost locations too, because really, I mean, at the end of the day, it was too expensive to have it be, to have it be in New Jersey. So yeah, so I researched a lot and I actually posted in a few Facebook groups that are more for product businesses um, and got recommendations from people there. And then I just cold emailed or cold called a bunch of people and some responded, some didn't. And then I went through a process and like whittled them down, like based on what I was looking for and their prices and and everything. And I'm really, really happy with where I ended up. I feel like products even more than services require a lot more patience. I think, um, yeah, probably. It takes longer to do anything, right? Yeah. So compared to Transitions Collective, like I have a lot more control over so many things with Transitions Collective if I want to, you know, but for product, yes, like each of these things I'm talking about can take quite a bit of time, you know, to, to research and find people that are that work for you or that are a fit for what you're looking for and if they can even make what you want. And I mean, with product, you really want it to look exactly how you want it to look or you want it to feel exactly how you want it to feel. And that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause a lot of service professionals sort of wake up one day and they're like, yeah, I'm going to throw up a website. I'm going to see if people will buy what I'm offering. And then they have a website like they use Wix or Squarespace. Right. which That's right. awesome. You can throw that right. up in a heartbeat. You have a little bit of marketing copy and there you have it. But products are a whole other story. And you are like the supply chain. You're in, at someone else's whim or you have to trust in those suppliers. It's just a different world which is why we're doing a whole month about physical products. And I feel like everything that you've just talked about, our four interviews that we're doing, we're not even touching on so many of these other topics. So I feel like we're absolutely going to need to come back to products. True. Yeah, that's a very good point. 2021. It's a start. Oh my gosh, Jamie just threw out some kind of plan for more than six months, more than six months from now. Let's think about that. Has COVID changed you? I think it's, I'm just getting, I'm getting wiser in my old age. (laughs) (laughs) You're rubbing off on me, Mary. We have a really awesome spreadsheet. No, I have to say we have a really awesome spreadsheet going right now. And we have our themes picked 
and people we want to pitch for the podcast, some really cool ones until November. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited about that too. Yes. So it's good. I like the planning. I think this is going to be, this is going to be a good month. Yeah. No, I'm excited. It's, we have a lot of, we have a lot of things that we're, that we're talking about and it's true. We have some good things coming. So, so everybody should let us know if they have any specific questions about products that they want us to cover or ask any of our guests. Um, And then you can also give us ideas for future episodes for guests. You may want us to interview specific to products. Yeah. And if, you became overwhelmed if you were thinking about having a product and became overwhelmed by this conversation, please, I hope not. Go for yeah, it. message no. Mary. Like just in yeah, the, in the HQ, perhaps Mary can be our ask an expert this month and she can answer a couple of questions. Not a million questions. Mary's busy, but a few questions that people may have. You don't mind. I don't mind at all. You're smart. No, that like would that. be super fun. Yeah. So let us know. If you are not a member of the HQ, you can find us at the Fearless Business Podcast HQ on Facebook. You can also find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. And before we close out today, I have one more special request of Don. Don, please add in some birthday music because this week we are celebrating a very special day. My 28th birthday. <laughs> I'm not 28. I was kidding. Happy birthday, JV. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't think I should sing on air. People probably wouldn't really care for that that much. But I'm sending you heart. Thank you. You know, because I I love you. Thank you. And Don will put in some birthday music. I appreciate it. Make sure it's really birthday music, Don. (laughs) Royalty free. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All right. We'll see you next week with our first interview. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit thetransitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.